Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Today we're going to continue our series, So Will I. Man, can you wave at me if this has been one of your most favorite sermon series New Birth has ever done? Can you just give me a holler real quick? Amen. Amen. Let me, for those of you that are coming today and you've never been to any series, any part of the sermon series, um, just, I'm going to give you the foundation. The, the, the reality is, is that God is creator and we are creation. Amen. And, and here's the thing. True and honest worship stems out of obedience. True and honest worship stems out of obedience. And today we're going to be tackling the talk. I have the privilege of tackling the idea and here's the sermon, sermon title. I want you to write it down. If you're taking notes, this, we take notes here. Here's, here's the title of, tonight, of today's talk. If the wealthy worship you, so will I. If the wealthy worship you, so will I. I'm so excited to speak today. By the way, my grandma's here. Shout out, grandma. Grandma, can you stand up? Take a bow. Shout out, grandma. Somebody make some noise to my grandma. She just be showing up. She lives in New York. I went to the office on Monday. She was like, hey, what's up? I was like, Grandma! I love you, Grandma. Isn't that like life goals, right? Just show up in Florida when you want to. Show up places when you want to. Amen, amen. I, I'm going to tackle this talk. Listen, if the wealthy worship you, so will I. This isn't a sermon about giving. Just by the way, just take that out of your head. We're not asking for more money. This is, this is a sermon that's really going to challenge us to see things a little bit differently. And, and I want to start off with, with this kind of idea. There is a myth. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But there's a myth that Christianity is for poor people. Really bad myth, right? I mean, it's terrible. I, I've talked to some people in, in, in my, my classes in college, you get a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different people with different ideas. I was talking with a friend once. He was like, man, listen, you're a Christian? I was like, yes, I'm a Christian. And he's like, hey, man, listen, did you know that Christianity was made up just so that poor people could have something to look forward to? And I was like, my Bible is legit. What are you talking about? <laughs> I showed him our Bible is legit series at youth on Fridays. So like, listen to these podcasts. And, and, and I, I really attempt to tackle the idea. It's not, it's not a wild thought, though. It's not wild. Like Christianity is for those who aren't wealthy, for those who are struggling and, and, and they just need something to look forward to. That is a lie of the enemy. Here's why. Because I believe that wealthy people are in need of the same God that people who aren't so wealthy. Y'all here today? I, I think everybody needs God. Big, small, dark, brown, rich, poor, everybody has a God-shaped hole. That only God can fill. And, and the issue sometimes with, with having so much is that it, it could probably create something in us that says, oh, I have everything. I don't need God. I have wealth. I, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable. Me and my family, we are not in need. So I don't need a God to pray to. But, but today we're going to talk about Job. And Job was a wealthy man, the Bible said. Job was, he had, I mean, he was balling. I mean, like he had the, the, the Gucci sandals, you know. He, he was the Gucci Jesus sandals, you know what I'm saying. He, he had, he shopped at Turban Outfitters. I mean, it was crazy. Guys, I got so many more jokes. I mean, I can go for days. 
he was he was very wealthy. And and the thing is, listen, he still had a heart after God. I mean, isn't that isn't that not, isn't that an idea? Someone who is well off, the Bible shows the world. The Bible says, listen, there was a rich man once. And he still came to church. He still sacrificed. He still sanctified his children. He had perfect church. I mean, there is a possibility in having everything and still wanting Jesus. There's a possibility that you can be given something and still have a yearning for God. And and I'm here to break that myth, church. I'm here today to to change the mindset. Because sometimes we think if we have it all, then we're good. But God is a hole in our hearts that we need to fill with only him. You see, I'm dealing with young people every single week. So many young people, they go to so many different things to fill the hole. It's almost like in our society today, there's a lie from the enemy saying, you need to go find yourself. Find yourself in the club. Find yourself in drugs. Find yourself in these terrible environments and in hopes of filling the hole in our heart. But listen, I see young people run away from church and come right back into the house of God saying, there was something I felt on a Friday night that the club couldn't give me, that that girl couldn't tell me, something that God told me, that no one can else can fill that. There's a hole. Only God can fill. I believe when he made us, when God... When he made you in his image, he said, before I drop him in the world, before I drop her in the world, I'm going to stick my thumb and create a hole so only my finger can fit it. And, 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 and humans, we're always in search for that thing. We're always in search to come on, Phil, Lord, I, I, I got a job. I'm comfortable. You know, everything's good. There's still a little hole in me. God's like, only I can fill that hole. Only I can do it. So we broke that myth. Listen, Christianity isn't for the wealthy, isn't for the poor, it's for everybody. Jesus came for everybody. Anybody believe that this morning? Can you shout amen today if you believe that? Amen. He told me that. He's like, yeah, man. It's, it's all a figment of your imagination. And I was like, man, it's challenging sometimes to, to really, to capture that idea that, man, if, if I don't have something and I have God, I'm lacking nothing. I mean, there's a really awesome happening in the book of Acts. And I want to read it together. Book of Acts chapter 3. And let's just go off reading. Peter, with John at his side, he, he looks straight in the eye and said, so, so there was a beggar. He was begging. and He, he said, like, hey, men of God, can you give me something? Right? And this is what he says. He says, look here. He looked up. The man, he looked expecting to get something from him. So he's expecting spare change. He's expecting something. Come on, it's a homeless man, a poor man. He's like, hey, give me something. He's expecting something. I love this. Verse 6. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He grabbed him by his right hand and he pulled him up. And in an instant, his feet and his ankles became firm. In other words, Peter said, listen, you, you want health? I, 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 got, I got Jesus. He could cancel that. He could cancel that sickness. Hey, you, you want money? Uh, I, I got Jesus. Come on, he could complete every part of you. Head to toe. Oh, you're expecting silver and gold. Another translation says, listen, all I have is the blood of Jesus, the promise of the gospel. And if you just have that, you can get up and go and walk and be lame no more. Isn't that amazing? We, we expect... We expect this story to end off with, with Peter giving him change. Peter giving him silver and gold. Peter giving him a, a keys to the car. He said, no, I don't give you these things. I have something a little bit better. I got Jesus. Because you can have all those things and still have a hole. You can have all those things and still be empty. But if you have Jesus, well, he says, I am that I am. Anything you need me to be, I'll be it. I'll be it. 
You say, he could be a provider for me. He could be a savior for you. He could be a healer for you. He can be your best friend. I mean, he's whatever you need him to be. And I love Peter's answer. He says, silver and gold, I have none. I don't have a nickel to my name, the translation says. But, but what I give to you is life and life more abundantly. My first point today is this. I prefer spiritual wealth and natural bankruptcy instead of gaining the world and losing my soul. I prefer spiritual wealth and natural bankruptcy instead of gaining the world and losing my soul. And, and here's the thing. I, I really, when, when I do see people of, that are a lot less fortunate than me, a lot more fortunate than me, sorry, I, I, I kind of look and I'm like, man, okay, I want those things, but, but man, I got something in me. Like, have you, have you ever had that conversation with someone, like, they're, they're presenting you something, like, uh, they got this new thing, and Christmas just passed by, and, and, and a lot of times, man, we're just around so many people, right, and say, hey, look at my new headphones, look at my new sneakers, look at this, look at that, and that's awesome, and then I'm just like, yo, you don't know what my girlfriend got me for Christmas. You know, so you don't know what well, my dad got me for Christmas. And it's almost like somebody's present to you a, a, an image. Someone's present to you something that you feel like you should go after. But because of what you cherish, because of what you have already inside of you, you're looking at it and you say, that's awesome, but I have something with my name on it. That's awesome. That's great. But, but, but God has something for me and for me all alone. That's amazing, the lifestyle you have, but I have a lifestyle of presence. I have a lifestyle of sacrifice. I have a lifestyle of blessing every single day. I'm in need of God. Amen. So I, I want to focus on Job today. I, I want to pick up in, in the book of Job. I want to read together, just tell you who he was. The Bible explains kind of the wealth he had, and we're going to read that together for just a little bit. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz. His name was Job. And that meant, I had someone tell me once, a young person, he was like, hey man, my favorite book of the Bible is Job. That man was blameless and upright. Some of you guys caught that late. And, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Three, also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. Like I said, he had the Gucci flip-flops. His robe was Giorgio Armani. His fanny pack was from Coach. I mean, this dude's balling. <laughs> Let's read verse 5. Let's keep reading. So, so it was when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send, and, and that Job, look at me, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt sacrifices and offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did this regularly. So, so you're reading this and you're like, what, what's happening? You see, he, he came to the altar. He rose. He went to the altar. He sacrificed. And then he sanctified. That was his tradition. He rose early in the morning. He, he, he went to an altar. He sacrificed. And he sanctified his children. You guys hear this morning? He rose in the morning. He, he went to the altar. He sacrificed and he sanctified his children. 
And, and for those of you in church for the first time or you probably don't understand really what's the sacrifice, what's going on. See, I just want to give you a, a, just a quick little lesson. You see, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament are attached to the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. You see, when you read the Bible, you have two large sections, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And listen, I love this idea. Jesus is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus is the walkway to from one covenant to the new covenant. You see, the Old Covenant with man and God was, listen, you have sin, you're a sinner, you, you, have, you have this sin problem, so how we're going to fix this, how we're going to cover this up is you need to sacrifice a perfect, blameless animal at the altar, and that will cover your sin. That blood of a pure and perfect animal will be suffice for your sin. It'll cover it. That was the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. But when Jesus steps in, I, I don't know if you know this, but he's called the Lion and the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. When Jesus stepped in, he said, no more sacrifices. I am the final sacrifice. And if you trust and believe in me, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. You see, the old way was to cover sin. Jesus removed sin, past, present, and future. Jesus is the new institution. Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus sets way for the New Testament. So, so when you have these ideas that, that, that the Old Testament is wrapped around the Old Covenant and the New Testament is wrapped around the New Covenant, you can see a parallel in Job. You see, Job, he wanted to sanctify his children and the generations and the generations to come. The Bible says he lives up to 150 years. He sees four generations. He dies, the Bible said, he dies with a full life. And, and how he, and I, I want to live that life, by the way. I want to live that old and I want to have so much fun, have so much babies and see so many ch grandchildren. That's the life I want to live, a full life. But isn't it amazing that that full life wasn't because of his possessions. That full life was because of his sacrifice. You see, Job, a wealthy man, he rose in the morning and went to the sanctuary. He brought his offering and killed it to cover the sins of his children. Let me encourage you, listen, Job was a worshiper. You see, in today's world, you don't have to come to church and kill an animal. It'll probably be a little weird. You just got to come and kill yourself. Die to yourself. And say, Lord, I come alive in you. This morning, Lord, take my worship, take my heart, take my soul. I surrender to your will. You see, when we worship, we're putting something in the altar. When we worship, we're putting something on pause and we're putting something else on play. You see, you see, he had a lifestyle of coming to the altar. Come on, just get that idea. He rose in the morning. He went to the altar. He sacrificed and he sanctified. And that is the lifestyle that he began to live. How you doing, buddy? That was, that was kind of funny. You see, although, although Job was wealthy, he was poor in spirit. Although Job was wealthy, you can throw it up. Although Job was wealthy, he was poor in spirit. You see, is it possible to have everything you want and still be missing out on the one thing that means the most? Is it possible to win the lottery and still not be satisfied? You see, if you don't have God in your heart, if you don't have the love of Christ in your heart, there is a hole that you can never fill. And, and here's what I love about Job, ready? He, he's, he's very wealthy, but he's poor in spirit. In other words, he's asking God, God, I have everything I want, but I need more revelation. I need more presence. Church, if you want to be a true worshiper, you need to be poor in spirit. 
poor in spirit. I mean, needy in spirit. You ever seen a beggar? I mean, come on, can you just give me something? Come on, can you just, wait, 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 don't go nowhere, don't go nowhere. Stop, 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 stop. Come on, that's what worship should be like at 11.15. Lord, can you just give me your anointing? Lord, can you just give me your presence? Lord, can you speak to me today? Lord, I may be wealthy in this world, but I am poor in spirit and I need you. I mean, if you're really honest, we all need more Jesus in our life. I mean, if we're really serious, I mean, like, if we keep it real behind the, you know, the, the worship frisbees, you know, you are worthy, you know, but, but behind all that, deep in our heart, we say, God, I want more of your presence. I want more of who you are. And it's like every time you get into the presence, you're reminded of how poor you are in your spirit, right? And it's, every time you get around so much power and so much grace, it's almost bringing me to tears. I see just now, you guys wiping tears. Listen, we're not crying because we're missing something. We're crying because we have everything we need, and that's who Jesus is. You can make some noise right now, church. You can shout amen because there's a hole. There's a hole. We're passionate to fill that hole. Man, let's be passionate to be poor in spirit. You see, when you're poor in spirit, your prayers begin to change, church. Your prayer was once, God, I need more money. I'm poor in spirit. You're poor, you're, you're poor in the eyes of man. God, I need more money. When you're poor in spirit, you're, God, I need more money. Turns to God, I need more presence. There's a transition happening when you're saying, I'm going to be poor in spirit. I'm not living to, to, to be known by man, I'm living to be known by God. I may not die with the biggest house, but there is a mansion waiting for me in heaven. Come on, somebody. I may not have it all. I'm not living life to be happy. I'm living life to be filled with joy. So when you're poor in spirit, there's a transition. God, I need more money. God, I need more presence. God, I need a new job. That turns into God, I need new revelation. Come on, I'm poor in spirit. God, I need a new rock. Can you just speak to me? Lord, help me gain. That's a, that's a prayer. Lord, help me gain. When you're pouring spirit, Lord, help me give. How, how can I affect the world around me? God, how, how much can I receive turns into, God, how much can I give? Come on, when we're pouring spirit, when we're saying, God, I want you more than anything. I want you more than anything. Matthew 5, 3. It says this. It says it straight up. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, I, I want to be poor in spirit. That's something I, I want to wake up and say, Lord, am I comfortable in, in the eye of man? Because I'm missing something in, in your world. I'm missing you. I'm missing more of you. You see, if you know the story of Job, he had so much. And then there's a, there's a happening. You know, the, the enemy goes, he goes to, to God and says, God, can, can, I, can I touch Job? Can, can I affect Job? Job? Can I do stuff to him and his environment? And God allows it to happen. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Listen, when you're going through trials, I think God wants to still have you be a worshiper. I, I don't think your traditions should stop because your, your, your paycheck stopped. I don't think your traditions should stop because people are failing on you. People are walking out. The, 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 the family you thought that, that was going to be with you in 2018, they left you. They, 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 come on, they put you apart. People put you aside. And listen, you are not living for the acclamation of man and for the standard and, and word of man. You're living for the word of God. And when you're walking with this, being poor in spirit, it'll lead you to a life that is just, it's just full. And, and Job lost it all. He lost it all. Let me read to you these verses in the book of Job, chapter 1, 
13 to 22. I mean, it, it all happened in a moment. It, it's pretty insane. One day when Job's sons and daughters were, were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said this, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the sea bands attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. 16, while he was still speaking, another messenger came. He said, fire from heaven came down. He burnt the sheets and the servants. I'm only the one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came. He said, there was formed three raiding parties and swept down all the camels, and, and all your livestock are gone. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons and daughters are feasting and drinking in, in your brother's house, and suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert it struck the four corners of the house it collapsed on them all your children they have died and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you Job he rose up he tore off his robe he shaved his head he fell to the ground and he worshiped he worshiped he said God I'm losing everything I need more of who you are the first thing we do, God, I'm missing something. God, can you fix that right there? Can you, can you do something? But I love his heart. He worshiped, and this is what he said. This is his words. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, I want to live that way. Lord, you take away, and you give, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, I lost everything, but Lord, blessed be your name. Man, you, you received something in your heart, some type of like confidence. I know someone died in your family, but you still got confidence. Come on, blessed be the name of the Lord. I know you're seeing a situation like there's no way out, but have some confidence, brothers and sisters, because blessed be the name of the Lord. My worship will not perish because my, my circumstances perished. And the enemy wants you to think that your worship should be circumstantial. Because you receive, you should give. No, no, no. I'm giving because I received grace a long time ago. I'm not worshiping for a blessing. I'm worshiping from a blessing. I'm saved. I've been given grace. I'm going to walk in worship. You see, I love this idea. Listen, the Lord, you see, God, he knows your heart. And, and you know, working with young people all the time. It's kind of hard sometimes to, to catch that as a young person. It's like, wait, 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 how, is that really true? Like, does God really have my back? Like, is he really always there? I look at him and listen, God made you the way he made you. God put in you what is different from everyone else. You know what's unique about you? Your face. No one in the world has your face unless you're a twin. Then you're twinning. But other than if you're not twinning, it's just you. You see, God, he, he gave you, come on, you think the things you like, you just like them, God put that in you. The places you want to be, the goals you have, the dreams you have, you think your dreams are too big for God, he gave you those dreams. He gave you that, that yearning for more. Come on, a lot of us here are artists, we're creatives. God gave you that. Our worship team, we're worshipers. Come on, God, he gave you what you have. And you don't think he knows what you want? So if he gave you everything, if he created you on purpose, you don't think he knows what your prayer request is. You don't think he knows what you want. Listen, he knows what you want, but there's something called the timing of God. And here's the thing. Again, if we live life with the idea that we worship when something good happens, we miss out on all the blessings we can receive when nothing's happening. 
You see, because God never changes, my worship should never change. He's never going to move. He's never going to budge. My worship's never going to move. My worship's never going to budge. I'm a living, walking worshiper. That's who I am. It's in my blood. That's how God created me to be. I want to show you this picture really quickly. It's an awesome picture. You know what the Bible says? To enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to have faith like a child. I love the analogy of, of us being children of God. Because we look at little girls like that, and we're like, it's just a teddy bear, right? And, and sometimes God's looking at you like, it's just a little boyfriend. I got a husband for you. It's just a moment of, of depression. I got, I got something more for you. You feel like that's the best you have? You feel like that's the best you can do? You have no idea what I have behind my back. You got no idea. But God, I, I love it. You don't understand. He's there always for me. He's like, listen, I'm going to give you something that's almost your size. You won't be able to hug it. He's hugging you, mama. He's hugging you. But isn't this a funny moment, right? So we're looking at this picture. And because you know what Jesus has behind his back, you're telling the girl, give it up. Give it up. You have no idea what's coming. Give it up. Church, what are you holding on to? What's in your hands? Are you like, God, this is it. You see, the difference between you and God is that you don't know God's plan. You don't know what's behind God's back. You don't know that there's more for you. You believe it, but do you know the plan of God? No one knows. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what are we supposed to do? God, if I have something in my hands and if you take it away, come on, just like Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because you know what's best for me. You know what I want. And I'm going to give it to you, God. Trusting and believing that you know what's best for me. And isn't that a great moment, right? When, when, when she gives him the small teddy bear and he's like, bam. Man, I pray this, this year is a bam moment because we learn to give more to God. I pray this year is a moment of wow. Because we learn to say like Job, listen, if it's Sunday, I'm coming to church. I'm going to come to the altar. Isn't that funny? A rich man. In so many people's eyes, if he's rich and he's giving to the church, he can show up whenever he wants. If he's rich and he's tithing, oh, he could do what he could. He could jump on stage. He could do whatever he wants. No, 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 no. If if you're if you're rich, you're still poor in spirit. And because you are wealthy, doesn't put you over any other God, children of God. We all have a mandate to worship and to be worshipers and to live a life of submission. I love that picture. Ready, Job? He woke up in the morning. He went to the altar. He sacrificed, and then he sang. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.